live chat. Malcolm Turnbull announced that the laws of mouth do not apply here. <laughs> One of my favourite brands of comedy area is brown people and black people making fun of white people. Senators have been dropping like flies recently. Shouting out the fact that in the Knowles Carter family, women just have one name. Backchat on FBI Radio. Hello, welcome to Backchat, your freshest wrap of news and current affairs on the radio. I'm Ariel Bogle. And I'm Osman Faruqi. And I just realised, listening to that intro, that we're going to need a new intro for this show, Ariel. Oh, sobs. Why, why, is, why is that? Because this is our last show. No! It is, I'm afraid to say. Osman and I are going to be moving on. I think it's mainly just to sleep in on Saturdays, no? Um, that's 100% my excuse for it. It's been... The show, Pure I like laziness. it, but it's been really cramping my Friday night party vibe. Like, I'm not allowed to go out. I mean, yes, yeah, I'm not allowed to go out. I definitely don't go out on Friday nights because I'm very committed to this show. <laughs> this um, is the kind of sacrifice we've done for a year to bring you news politics, you know. Yeah, the freshest rough of news edge. and current affairs on your radio, as you said. Exactly. Um, no, it's been like, I've been doing the show for a couple of years. It's been a lot of fun and it's been awesome doing it with you for the past year. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what we learnt on the show and some of our takeaways and highlights. And we're also very excited to introduce your listeners to the new hosts of Backchat who are creepily sitting in this room, <laughs> but we're not going to tell you who they are and then allowed to talk until later on in the show. So stick around to find out who they are because they're very fun and cool and probably even cooler and smarter than us. Do you reckon? Yeah, I don't think it's so hard. (laughs) Um, But we're not just doing a sub story farewell. We're also going to be talking about all the politics that happened this week. Yes. But first, we have to mention, you know, a piece of joyous news. So this man has been in our thoughts. We've talked about him multiple shows. He's been making headlines. And now he's a father again. For the fifth time. Um, Is it the fifth time? It's the fifth time because he's got four daughters and now he's got a son. Can you figure out who we're talking about? It's Mr. B. It's Barnaby Joyce. Barnaby Joyce. So he, I think he actually, his his partner Vicky Campion actually gave birth uh, to her first child a few days ago, but it was announced yesterday mm. on the auspicious date of April 20th um, for 20, 2018. And the name of the baby is Sebastian. It's a sweet name. Baby Sebastian. What does that evoke for you, Ariel? Unfortunately, it puts me in mind of... The little pony from Parks and Rec, <laughs> little Sebastian. And in fact, it's the baby, so it's little. So it is L- little Sebastian. Little Sebastian. It makes me think of, I don't know if you're familiar with the film Cruel Intentions. Great mm. film. Sebastian was Ryan Philippe's character. Yes. So it makes me think of like a pretty white rich boy, mm. which is a weird thing to say about a baby. But anyway, that's just what I think about when I think the of Sebastian. The film on which like... Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Philippe fell in love. They're not together anymore, though, are no, they? No, they did break up, but... We can still watch Cool <laughs> remember the glory remember days the of the early days. 90s. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the interesting thing about Barnaby, um, he wasn't just in the news for his new kid this week, but we think that maybe having this fifth child might have mellowed him out a little bit because he's taken a bit of a interesting approach to politics uh, on Twitter. Uh, yesterday he tweeted in response to the banking role commission that's been on for the past couple of weeks that he was wrong. He admitted that he was wrong. It's not often politicians do that. Barnaby Joyce, along with most of the coalition, were strong opponents of the role commission into the banks that was pushed by the Greens and the Labor Party. Um, but now that it's kicked off and it's found a lot of really cooked stuff that banks have been doing and led to the resignation of one banking CEO already, Barnaby Joyce tweeted that he had gotten it wrong and that he, after seeing all the evidence, realised that the banks did need a Royal Commission. What do you reckon, Errol? Do you think we should, like, pat him on the back for realising he was wrong? 
and, and owning up to it? No. <laughs> <laughs> How come? Well, I think that the coalition stood, you know, in front of Labor and pr- tried to prevent this Royal Commission for so long. Yeah. And it's just, they've got egg on their faces, basically, because even just in one week, so many instances of wrongdoing have been exposed. I mean, we're going to run through them, but I just thought it was pretty incredible when the CBA, Commonwealth Bank, had executives before the commission They were just given a total shellacking by the investigators. Here's a clip, actually, from the Commission this week. When did you first become aware that there was a potential issue of clients of CFPL being charged ongoing service fees but not receiving the service? So there's obviously three components of issues um, that CFPL was working through. I have hesitated to interrupt you. Uh, I will interrupt once. Yes. We will get on better if you listen to council's question. Yep. If you have to stop and think about the question, do it. But listen to council's question and answer what you are asked. Or she got told. Yeah, it's it's so funny because she's clearly like been trained to say, "Oh, well, I'm just going to like not answer your question and do the classic like respond to what I want to answer." But mm-hmm. the commissioner was not having a bar of it. Yeah. So let let's talk about some of these things. AMP admitted lying to the regulator, ASIC. Commonwealth Bank admitted some of its financial planners have been charging fees to clients who had died for like more than a decade, and they were just you know. Story upon story of people who have been put in like horrible situations by the banks. One story that got a particular attention was this woman, a nurse, who had been encouraged to use super to buy a bed and breakfast business. They took out their super and then were told they couldn't use it for that exact specification. And all the while, the bank was just collecting fees upon fees from these people. So, like, pretty incredible um, series of revelations this week. And the com- the coalition, of, I guess, have realised that they you know, can't, they can't spin this. It just looks bad for them and it looks really bad for the banks. I mean, it seemed weird that they ever, that the government in the first place was so opposed to the Royal Commission because I'm going to go on a limb. People don't like banks. Like, no one likes (laughs) banks. We all have to use them for some reason. I don't know why we have to, to be honest. Like, I have a Commonwealth Bank account because I was a Dolomite as a kid and I don't know. That's how they get you. That's how they get I had Dolomite too. Isn't it a bit weird, right? Like, the Commonwealth Bank is a private company Mm. it's a bit weird they're allowed to like go into schools and use cute cartoon characters and like when i was in school at least and like i'm 27 so that was a while ago now i guess damn i'm old like two (laughs) two decades ago we used to watch like vhs tapes vhs tapes that's what they're called Mm -hmm. um of like cartoons of the dolomites and you'd watch these cartoons and then you'd be like oh cool and then they give you a commonwealth bank checkbook and you'd open an account Mm. that's wild like i get that the commonwealth bank was once a nationalized government-run bank and that might have made sense but now it's not so it's weird and then when we're finding out all these things and the cba has been pinged for all this different stuff it's a bit weird that a bank that clearly has a lot of weird practices going on and is a bit dodgy is allowed to market itself to seven-year-olds to chits yeah yeah and it comes at a really bad time for the government too because of course as we've discussed on the show before they're trying to get their corporate tax cuts passed yeah but bit hard to make that argument when you're just having endless stories coming out about how the banks are ripping off the little guy, the yeah, ba- Aussie battler. Is there any Australian out there who thinks like these banks, oh, sound like Alan Jones, is there any Aussie out there who thinks that these banks deserve a bloody tax a, cut? A little handout? Yeah, that he'd probably be in favour of that bank tax cut. I don't know. I feel like bashing the banks is across the aisle divide. Yeah, uh, yeah. A popular topic. Which which is what, yeah, again, makes it so... And, it, and obviously that's why the government is now 
so quickly changing tack, right? They're like, this is, you know, oh, oh yeah, actually, we do hate the banks. We also hate the banks. This is all terrible stuff. Yeah, and speaking of controversial moves, um, we also had another development this week with weed, and appropriately, because it was recently 420, April 20, the day of celebration of the herb. I think so, I think when you say weed, Ariel, you know, mm-hmm. it's a slang term. Oh, I'm sorry. We're a, we're a news and current affairs program. Mar- marijuana. Marijuana. <laughs> cannabis. The good herb. Are we allowed to say the good <laughs> It's our last show. We're going to say that. Um, so what's going on with this? Are we going to have legal marijuana? Yeah, Richard Natali, leader of the Greens, announced a radical, totally radical dude policy this week, uh, calling for basically full legalization of recreational cannabis. So there's been debates in the last few years about medical marijuana. It's technically been legalized now at a mm. federal level, but it's still pretty slow in terms of how it's rolling out on state-by-state schemes. But the Greens are not waiting for that. They've kind of, you know, taken it to the next step and said it's time that Australia legalized recreational cannabis and that the federal government became a wholesaler of it and state governments removed, um, like, the criminal penalties associated with marijuana cannabis uh, possession and and consumption and dealing, Um, which is pretty interesting. It's a story that got a lot of attention this week. That's right. And Richard Di Natale framed it in that perennial phrase I actually haven't heard for a few years, the war on drugs. Mm. Of course, this was like a a term that was really pushed hard by the Bush administration in the United States, but made its way all the way to Australia, where we also were cracking down, fighting Mm. drugs, you know, framing it in this really militaristic way. And he wants to move past that. Here's a grab from him this week. Quite simply, the war on drugs is really a war on people. We need to get real about cannabis use in Australia. Nearly 7 million Australians have used cannabis. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting step. And, you know, it would put Australia actually in line with many other countries, comparable countries. Just this week, uh, Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Democrats in the Senate, said that he will be pushing for federally legalised weed in the United States. So it's not like this is a fringe issue anymore. Totally, yeah. I think the US uh, nine states have legalised recreational cannabis, but at a federal level, it's still you know, a, considered to be an outlawed substance, but the government is not really prosecuting it. So even though they kind of are entitled to stop, you know, California and Nevada and those kinds of states from setting up their uh, recreational cannabis schemes, they haven't yet, but it's still an interesting move from... Chuck Schumer and the Democrats there to clarify that federal law. But what has been interesting to watch in Australia in response to Richard Natale's proposal is the debate still seems very frozen in Australia. Mm-hmm. Like, it is interesting to see the Greens put forward this idea, but the coalition straight away said, no, we don't support this. Greg Hunt, the health minister, in fact, used that classic line, weed is a gateway, gateway drug, drug yeah. which the evidence is at best mixed mm-hmm. on that. Um, even the Labor Party, Bill Shorten, then he made a comment in response to this policy saying something like, oh, the Greens also want to legalise like MDMA and ecstasy. So just kind of dismissing it and calling it a clickbait policy. And it's, I mean, like to be honest, like from a personal perspective, it's a bit disappointing because drug law reform conversations seem important. We are seeing them happen all around the world. Like nine states in the US have legalised, including California, which is twice the size of Australia. Uh, Canada has voted to legalise and their scheme is going to be up and running this year. New Zealand is set to have a referendum on cannabis legalisation. So if everything kind of goes on track, we're going to end up in a situation where Australia and the UK, probably the only English speaking countries left that haven't 
legalize mm. recreational cannabis. That's right, and it's interesting too because um, there are it does vary here in Australia, state by state. And one of the uh, platforms that Dina Tali was pushing this week was the fact that you would be able to have, I think, six plants legally. You could grow for yourself for your own consumption, and in the ACT, you can already do that to an extent. I think you can have two plants in the ACT. And I think just it's part of this ongoing conversation about like what do we want to be spending law enforcement time, effort, money on. What do we want to be punishing for people for putting them even in jail for? And I think, you know, I'm, I'm sure you could get a different answer from different people in law enforcement, but I feel like the majority, and I've seen surveys to this effect, would rather be prosecuting bigger crimes than marijuana consumption. For sure. Yeah. The other thing that it, it makes me a bit frustrated by this debate is like comparing it to other social reforms and, and legal reforms like marriage equality. Like Australia was, again, the last Anglosphere country to legalise marriage equality. Why why are we so slow on these things? Like Australia has had, a in, in its uh, entire political history, it's done some pretty progressive things. Like South Australia was the first jurisdiction in the world to give women the vote. Mm. Um, Australia is one of the first countries to implement universal health care or like, you know, close to universal health care. So we've got a track record of making quite major political, social, cultural reforms. But these days, we are often one of the last countries out of, you know, the comparable sphere to make those changes. And it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make me proud to be an Australian. Like, I don't know why we need to be dragged kicking and screaming. And people will blame, like, the Murdoch press and they'll blame, oh, the Liberal Party hard right or whatever. But, like, you know, the Labor Party took a long time to agree to marriage equality. And the Labor Party now doesn't support drug law reform. So Mm. it's not just about the extreme right. There's something else going on. I don't really know what the answer is, but it doesn't make me happy. Yeah, I think it's the complacency of comfort. Australia is just incredibly comfortable, well off, you know, on the scale, on a global scale, we are wealthy, we are healthy, we have a pretty stable economic and political system. And I think that inspires a sort of um, tension, a sort of fear that that could be taken away from you at any point. So it really just makes people embrace the status quo with a sort of rictus grip that they might not have in a country where things seem to be changing at a faster pace. Hmm. I think it's really interesting. I know we talk about the United States a lot, but they have Trump in the White House, but on a state level, we are seeing like incredibly progressive moves, you know, marijuana legalization being one of them. And it just seems like when things are you know, up in the air, people feel like they can make big changes. But Australia just feels a sort of in a sort of, I don't know, lukewarm water just sitting here waiting for something yeah. to happen. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think one of the other things that occurs to me hearing you say that is like Australia, even compared to countries like the UK, New Zealand and the US, is a very old country in terms of our population. Like we, you know, we love to talk about boomers on this show and kind of in general, but, you know, in terms of what your population looks like, that impacts your politics because politicians go where the votes are. And Australia has one of the oldest populations in the English speaking world, and it is getting older and older every year. And we know from various different polls that old people are more conservative on a whole bunch of social and political issues. So... Um, that's something that we need to figure out, whether it's encouraging uh, millennials to start pumping out kids so in a few <laughs> years when they turn 18, um, young people can start skewing the demographics or getting better at convincing old people why this stuff is good. It's There's time to have babies to so we can outweigh the boomers. Yeah, totally. So coming up, we're going to introduce you to our special new hosts. The exciting, two, the two exciting. People that will you definitely be want to stick around for yeah. that one. And we'll be asking them, are they... Who will they be supporting in the fight against boomers? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I, 
just because it's the last show, Ariel and I have picked out a couple of tunes that we wanted to kind of say goodbye on. And, you know, long-time listeners of the show, probably not even long-time listeners of the show, would know that I'm a big Kanye West fan. And this week he announced he's dropping his first album since Life of Pablo on June 1, which is awesome. And I was thinking, like, if I go out on a song, it's got to be a Kanye song. Which one's it going to be? That's so hard to pick. So I've kind of taken it back a bit. One of his earlier tunes, it's Hey Mama. It's by Kanye West. It rules. Enjoy it. That was Kanye West with Hey Mama. What a ju- I love it, but it makes me real sad. Um, you're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio, streaming on FBIRadio.com and on 94.5 FM. As we said at the top of the show, it's Ariel and mine's last ever Backchat broadcast, which is kind of sad. But for the listeners, for you guys, it's actually extremely exciting because it means that we're handing over the reins to a very cool team of new presenters and they are in the studio with us to like you know hand over a baton i guess we should have actually gotten some kind of baton um i think listeners of backchat will be familiar with both of them because they've both been on the show before but now they're a cool fun duo very excited to announce swetha das and madison canorden welcome guys how you doing good you're pretty good i'm i had my last Fun Friday last night, so yeah, I'm ready for the quiet Fridays from now on. Yeah, absolutely. You can never do anything fun on Friday. You've got to be well rested, yeah. drink a lot of water, ready to go. I yeah, Oz for one has like never come in hungover. Ne- never. Uh, well, I cannot. I, I would swear it on the Bible. That, that, <laughs> that you definitely just broke some kind of community broadcasting uh, <laughs> law by talking about alcohol in that regard. But it's our last show, so what are they going to do? Kick us out? Nah. <laughs> um, it's awesome to have you guys kind of hand over. Um, kind of pick up the reins on Backchat. I've had a stack of fun over the last couple of years, and in particular the last 12 months with Ariel, and it feels cool to know that we're handing over to people, I think, even smarter and more fun and more interesting than ourselves. You guys looking forward to it? Well, firstly, that's a lie. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I wanted you to say that. (laughs) Amp us up that way. (laughs) I don't know, it feels like a big responsibility. I feel like you guys are very professional. So that's probably going to be our first test yeah, learning how to panel and learning how to take on the intense political banter. Yeah. Mm. How Maybe, to ask the hard questions. Don't become boring like us. You say professional. That makes us sound boring. Keep the fun alive. That's what that's what the kids want. Oh, yeah. yeah, fast and we got it. We've got, um, we've got a couple of different uh, questions we wanted to ask you guys to help the audience understand more about where you come from. But before... Do you just want to quickly, like, what do you, what do, you do, Madison? Like, what's your day job? What, what's your interest in politics and current affairs? Oh, I, I mean, it's better to keep that a mystery. I'm, <laughs> uh, my day job is that I work at Vice as an editor, um, and I also am a correspondent for Vice News as well for the Asia-Pacific, um, covering what's sort of breaking in our region. And my interest in news and current affairs is just that, like, I don't know enough about music to do an FBI show about music, <laughs> and I don't know how to DJ, so this is the only FBI yeah, show yeah. that I can do. That's very- <laughs> You've really nailed it, because, like, Oz and I would both have, like, a hip-hop show, probably, if we knew enough, but yeah, we don't. Yeah. Well, this was my Trojan horse to play music on FBI, because I was also not cool enough to do a music show, but I'm like, hey, if I do back chat, I can play songs, I can play whatever songs I want. Um, and Matt, Madison, uh, you just came back from the Middle East a few months ago, a few weeks ago? A few weeks ago, A few weeks yeah. ago, and you produced a really, really, really interesting documentary about what life is like on the border between Lebanon and Syria, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And yeah. aired on, um, on SBS Viceland, but you can watch it online and just a plug for that work. If listeners want to get to know Madison a bit more, it's a fun and good and interesting doco, so worth checking out. Yeah, I don't know if fun Maybe not fun. The, but, but 
Good engaging, and interesting engaging is very and kind. Engaging and interesting, yeah. And, and Swetha, how about you? You've done some FBI stuff before. You've yeah. done some other broadcasting stuff before. Tell us a bit about your background. Yeah, so, you know, I've been on FBI before. Uh, worked for the Huff Post, did a bit of journalism, but now my day job is significantly, significantly less cool than yours because I work at Microsoft in corporate communications. That's cool. That's cool advice, I reckon. But you, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We all love Microsoft Teams. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, I love talking about tech, which I'm hoping I get to do. Um, and I also just want to continue your legacy of playing Cardi B songs. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Good to hear. Good to hear. It's awesome. So, I mean, we haven't handed over the reins just yet. And, you know, there's a chance we could just take it away from you if you That's answer true. these following questions incorrectly. So this is both like a test and also to help the audience get to know you. And I think this one, this first one is um, really vital. So <laughs> here we go. Oz has 17,000 Twitter followers. How many more is that than you? Hey, before you answer, I actually have 17,700 Twitter followers. <laughs> How so, did I know yeah. that you were going to like correct that? <laughs> Are you deliberately? Yeah, you deliberately, you knew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, please. Um, how many more is that? I think it's like... I think it's like four four times what I have, but I have a blue tick. Mm. So that's like, that's what really counts, that's right? You know? Really yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Sophie? Yikes, I'm going to get kicked off. I don't have a blue tick. And now that you've corrected it, I was, <laughs> you had 34 times my <laughs> followers. But now that it's 17,000. 700, you have 35 more followers. Damn. Ticked up, 35. Yeah. The good news oh, is that yeah. Twitter means nothing. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, just, it's an irrelevant It, it probably platform. shows you've been living your life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and it makes me depressed about how I've been living mine, to be honest. Uh, question two, and we're going to ask each of you, maybe starting with Swetha, what's negative gearing? Yeah. Look, <laughs> <laughs> look, it's the only, like, if I get trapped in a conversation with my dad, it's yeah. the only thing he'll talk to me about, and I still don't know what it is. <laughs> Do you have any idea what realm of, like, policy it relates to? Yeah, like, like uh, income, housing, <laughs> and stuff like that. I'm saying words at this point. Investment <laughs> property and stuff like that. Nice. Madison, we got it. What, do you, what do you reckon? Oh, it's the problem, you know? <laughs> it's the thing that's holding our generation back. It's when you borrow money to buy a house and then the income that you earn on that house... Wait, no. The interest on the loan is less than the income you earn on the house. Is that correct? That sounds correct. That like, sounds, I think that's right. Better than my knowledge of negative gearing. I'm, I'm going to give that a tick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another. So this man has figured in our conversations many times over the past year. He sometimes appears to me in my dreams. <laughs> Define Peter Dutton in three words. Oh, God. Uh, oh, that's that would be mine. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. I would say future prime minister. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Controversial. Oh, yikes, yikes, yikes. Spooky, spooky. Not <laughs> necessarily saying that you want him to be the future no, prime no, minister. No, no, just saying that he could be. It's on his Wikipedia page. That what, he's a future at, prime minister? At the very top in his bio, it says... He's touted to be the future Prime Minister. I wonder if he wrote that, he though. Hey. He absolutely. We should find the IP address. Yeah, totally. Route that to back to Canberra. Yeah. And the last question, which is a cheeky one that, that I think... <laughs> um, I think this is a bit of a dig. So when Ariel and I both started working on Backchat, we had different jobs to what we do now. And like a lot of people involved in FBI, and particularly in Backchat, we've migrated to the Australian Broadcasting Corporation in our day jobs. Sellouts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you guys aspire to one day work at the APC? <laughs> that's, that's is it the a th- choice? I don't know if they'd have me. 
That's what I thought. Yeah. They, they'll have me, they'll have anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, do you want to leave that cushy corporate job? <laughs> oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> Hard no from both of us. Yeah, fair enough. Dude, absolutely fair enough. But let's get in touch in 12 months and see what you guys are doing Yeah, Michelle Guthrie, this is is a joke if you're listening. (laughs) She's definitely listening now. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm happy with those answers. I think we can hand over the golden microphone, as it it were. And I'm handing over in lieu of a baton. Thank you so much. What a moment. (laughs) So, yes, this is our kind of sign-off, I'm afraid. That's it. I mean, on a serious note, I was like, what did you... What, did you learn anything? What's your uh, reflection? Dude, it's really hard. Like, I, I had so, so much fun on this show. It's been, a, like, a privilege to be able to talk to FBI people every morning, like the audience, and, and talk to them every Saturday morning about what we think is important and hopefully teach people some stuff and learn things from our guests and, and the audience as well. The thing that stood out to me the most is the story over the, my two and a bit years being on the show that keeps coming up again and again is around refugee policy because it is featured so prominently in Australian political discourse over that period but it and that it's kind of been good to be able to talk about it and and bring big boring facts and explain to people why they matter but it's also been a bit depressing because refugee policy in this country is not great in terms of the impact on people and it makes me sad that it's been this constant negative force on Mm. politics for a long time so that's one thing that stood out to me I guess sorry to be a little bit pessimistic no totally although I'm I would say the thing that stood out to me coming in like every Saturday to do this show is even in the year, I feel like change... I do feel optimistic, I guess. I think that, you know, we can feel as young people that we can make a difference. Mm. (laughs) Not just, you know, not to be trite, but I do feel like there is sort of change in the wind, especially when it comes to um, positive like government force and like not to talk about regulation because that's really boring but I think we're seeing like what real what good government could be and I'm really hopeful given all the amazing young people young experts people that we've talked to over the year that there are just excellent smart people out there in Australia who have Australia's best Mm. interests at heart who are empathetic people who are thinking about not just themselves and people like them but the community broadly so I kind of feel I'm leaving this show and I feel optimistic I don't awesome. think we're at a good place, but I think we could get there. I'm really glad you went um, second because I, you've convinced <laughs> me. Like, I feel optimistic too. We do need to sign off because it is time for agenda. But um, I, th- I wanted to say, and I think, you know, Ariel does as well, like just thanks to FBI uh, for letting us do this show for the last little while. Um, and in particular to all the producers who've worked hard as volunteers.
we all give up time to make radio because it's fun and great and because we care about um, talking to the audience about these sorts of issues. So Natalie and Amelia, who've been our producers for the last few months and before that, Sam Joncha, Emily, Heidi Pett, Selena Shannon, Oscar Coleman. There's a long list of them. They all work at the ABC now. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and it's fun to hand over the reins. I feel good. I feel good about where we're at. Yeah. Swetha and Maddie, go forth. Yeah. Kick some ass. <laughs> yeah. But Just don't say the F word. That's my only advice. Yeah, you get in trouble if you Are do we that. not allowed to do that? You can say, I think, any other swear word except maybe the F word. Probably I the didn't C know word. That. Also. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> On that educational note, <laughs> we're going to leave you with a song of my choice <laughs> because it's my final show and I'm going to play Janelle Monet Pink because it's so good. You said you're going to play CK. Oh, but I, I will. I feel that's a, con- <laughs> that's a conflict, conflict of interest. Of interest. All right. We'll talk about that off the air. See you, gang. Have a Bye. great weekend.